Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC FM, and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by the Interim Director of the Injury Prevention Center at Connecticut Children's Medical Center, Kevin Borup, on the first full day of summer, and we are talking summer safety for kids this morning. Good morning to you, Kevin. Good morning, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Well, things are a little different this year with the pandemic. Do the circumstances pose any risks that maybe weren't there in the past? You know, I think they they do. You know, Aaron, in the past, you and I have uh, spoken about a whole host of issues from uh, water safety and staying safe uh, or in water, fireworks, um, riding bikes. But this year, I think there's a particular concern related to this isolation that we've been suffering under COVID-19. And, um, you know, I did want to raise the issue of uh, teens and their relationships with other teens and, and what, what they may be feeling or seeing. Um, you know, as COVID-19 restrictions lift, uh, parents will be encouraging teens to, you know, get out there and see their friends because they want them to. But what we know about this isolation period that's been happening is that, uh, you know, teens have more limited contact and they may have limited contact to someone they're in a relationship with. And, you know, COVID-19 is very stressful. And in normal times, we know that one out of every 10 teens is uh, physically hit or assaulted by the person that they're uh, on purpose with the person that they're involved with. And I think it's more important than ever, and, and this is a difficult task, I know, but that parents uh, ask what's happening, what's going on with their teen, especially a teen that has, has an ongoing relationship. Check in with them make sure everything's okay, and continue throughout the summer to really pay attention to uh, some of those issues uh, around mental health that might get exacerbated by this isolation we're all, we're all in the middle of. How do you start that conversation if you're a parent without sounding too intrusive? Oh, it's a great question. I mean, you know, uh, I guess uh, I'm laughing as I say, it, but the best parents are, are probably uh, intrusive a little bit, right? I mean, so who are you going? Who are you going out with? Uh, where are you going right now? How are you going to get there? How are you going to get home? What time are you going to get home? All of those questions that parents ask can be entrees into what's happening and just being available. And even if your your teen, your child doesn't respond at first when you say, "Hey, I'd I'd like to know. Uh, I, I'm interested in your life. I 
I want to know uh, things that are going on. I can be a sounding board for you. Just making that entree, even if um, even if they don't take you up on it, they may later. Uh, the other thing is, if you know they have a good relationship with, say, an aunt or an uncle or someone other than the parent, because sometimes it is tough as parents to have your kids level with you, make sure they have opportunities to connect to those other caring adults in their lives. Now, some of the conversations you mentioned sound like what you should be talking to your teen about when it comes to driving, and there certainly is a link there. Unfortunately, we've already had fatal teen crashes this season in Connecticut. We're in the 100 deadliest days for teen driving between Memorial Day and Labor Day. So this is an issue that that is linked. It is. It is linked. And, uh, you know, you and I've had this conversation before about graduated driver licensing laws in Connecticut. And it's important that parents are aware of what the laws are. And the, and the key points are, one, in Connecticut, we have a nighttime driving restriction, right? It's 11 p.m. So if you're uh, in your first year of licensure, you need to make sure that uh, you're not driving after 11 p.m. The other issue is no uh, no passengers in your vehicle in the first year of licensure, other than family and after six months of sibling. So the passenger restrictions and the nighttime driving restrictions were put in place because the data shows us that one, the later you drive, uh, that's that's when your risk is heightened for crashes. And um, the more uh, passengers you add into the vehicle, the, the greater your risk becomes as well. So those are there for a, a good reason. And uh, parents need to act like the air, air traffic controller. So uh, children or teen drivers should be uh, asking for permission to drive. And then when they're given permission, parents need to inquire, you know, where where are you going? Who are you going to see? What are you going to do when you get there? When are you coming home? And even what route are you going to take? Uh, uh, is Do you plan on having anyone in your car? Uh, and, and those questions should be asked uh, to, to make sure that you are informed and that uh, uh, teens know they have to ask your permission to go out in the vehicle. When it comes to driving habits and behaviors, not only for teens, but of, of all age groups. What are we seeing so far during the pandemic? At least anecdotally, are there any trends that you see emerging? Yeah, what we are seeing is, although we have fewer people on the roads, we're seeing more speeding. Um, and, uh, you know, they, the state has, uh, you know, essentially cameras that, uh, that uh, and um, they log speeds all over. And we can really see uh, in the state of Connecticut, this increase in speeding. And it's leading to uh, crashes and, and fatal crashes. Uh, so I think we need to be aware that right now, uh, during this COVID period, what we're seeing is this real increase in risky driving behaviors. And so with your teens, I think it's important to talk to them about this and to let them know that they should, you know, pay more attention than ever to the speed that they're going and to ensure that they maintain compliance with the speed limit because uh, it, it has become uh, an increasing problem in the state and it is leading to uh, injuries and deaths. Are there also opportunities here in the pandemic as people's schedules are, are modified maybe to be able to provide a little more instruction behind the wheel for new teen drivers? 
Absolutely. I think that's the, the positive byproduct of this is that, uh, you know, we know that teens are become safer and safer with the more experience they have behind the wheel. So certainly we recommend that teens get as much time on the road as possible. Uh, you know, I, the state wants you to get 40 hours of driving behind the wheel and parents are certified that before um, children, uh, teens get their license. But we encourage more hours than that, at least 100 hours behind the wheel. And parents should take these opportunities to get behind the wheel with their, with their son or daughter and, and, and drive with them. Uh, have them drive to the local school. Have them drive to, uh, if you're getting takeout, have them drive to the, uh, to the place where you're picking up your takeout. Give them real experience behind the wheel driving where you can coach them and take the time to really teach them uh, the best practices behind the wheel. Um, and, and the more the more of these hours they get, really, the more situations they're going to encounter, and they'll have more practiced responses to situations that come up, like what happens when you're cut off, what happens when there's a, all of a sudden a, a decrease in speed across the entire roadway. Uh, these are practiced responses that we all have, that we know what to do, uh, and, and teens, we want to give them that exposure so, so that they also can get that uh, behind them and have that history so that they're not uh, encountering a novel uh, problem in front of them where they have to come up with a novel solution. And sometimes those solutions aren't the right one. Now, with school out for the summer and maybe a number of teens haven't seen their friends in a while because they've been learning remotely – there might be an eagerness to to get out and spend some time with friends. And I know that it, it seems that most teens aren't in high-risk groups for COVID-19. But how important still is social distancing and mask wearing and everything else we have to do these days for young people? Well, I, I think we need to continue the guidance that's being put out by the state of Connecticut and by our healthcare systems, which is continue your social distancing and wear masks. So it's okay to get together with your, your friends, uh, but everyone should be masked and you should be maintaining that social distance of six feet, which is possible to do. Uh, you know, go to someone's backyard and uh, arrange the, uh, the lawn chairs in such a way that uh, you have that distance. Um, the communication with other people and getting together with other people is important for all of us, for our own mental health. So I wouldn't want to discourage that. But we really need to encourage everyone to uh, maintain those social distancing guidelines. You mentioned fireworks earlier, and a number of towns have reported an uptick in complaints about illegal fireworks in recent months. Remind us the dangers of fireworks, especially when it comes to kids. Sure. Fire, fireworks, you know, we all like to go see professional uh, firework displays. And what I'd recommend is that's exactly what you do. If there's going to be a professional show, go see that one. Uh, letting off fireworks yourselves uh, can really expose you to a number of dangers. Many of the fireworks that are being set off are illegal. But for the legal fireworks, even those that people buy illegally in Connecticut and set off in the backyard, there are dangers. And what most people don't realize, although they see, let's take the sparkler as an example, they see this pretty sparkler and they, they give them to little kids to wave around, uh, that sparkler uh, can get up to 1,200 degrees Fahrenheit. 
you know, some some fireworks even get hotter up to 2000 degrees. Now, these are the types of temperatures that melt metal. And I don't think most people are aware of the extreme temperatures that we're talking about here. Um, parents, the, the best thing you can do is, again, keep sparklers out of hands of very young children and practice supervision with any firework, in, including uh, including sparklers. For any of these fountain fireworks, that uh, the things that are legal in Connecticut, uh, if you are lighting them off, keep children away from them, well back from them, and only have adults handling fireworks, and, and that's it. Um, I think for the, for the illegal fireworks, uh, you know, just, just don't do it. <laughs> we often talk about parents setting a good example when it comes to behaviors behind the wheel, but that also applies to, to risky behavior when it comes to, to fireworks. You know, it, it, you know, risky behavior and modeling by parents applies to everything that we talk about, right? Including fireworks. So if you, if you have, uh, children, and you're a parent, you know, model the good behaviors, you know, uh, bring them to a professional fireworks display, let them enjoy those. And for the ones at home, don't, don't do anything that is against uh, the laws in Connecticut around fireworks. Um, just use the fountains. And again, for young children, they shouldn't be handling uh, any kind of firework, including sparklers. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Kevin Borup. He is interim director of the Injury Prevention Center at Connecticut Children's Medical Center in Hartford. Changing gears, water safety is also a key topic as we enter the the hotter weather months and more people want to cool off. What do people need to know about kids and water? Well, this is going to uh, going to be an especially interesting season for water safety because what we know is that many of the um, of the town pools or public pools are, are going to be closed uh, this summer or not available. So this will be more and more that kids will be turning to private backyard pools for uh, a respite from the heat and just have fun. Um, so I think people who have pools really need to uh, rededicate themselves to safety around their, their home pools. One, making sure that uh, they do have a four-sided fence around that pool um, uh, to to protect against uh, kids getting into the pool when they're not supposed to be in it. And supervision is is key to all of this. Um, uh, make sure that when uh, children are in the pool that there's an adult watching. Um, if you're having a, a party, uh, appropriately socially distanced, of course, and you have people in the pool, ensure that there's a water watcher that's not in the pool, a designated adult where their job is watching the water, not not distracted on their phone or anything else, but actually watching the water. And that will do a lot. For uh, parents of young children, uh, you know, if you have a young child who can't swim or is a, a weak swimmer, we, we definitely recommend that they wear a life jacket even in a pool, make sure they have that life jacket so that they have that extra uh, protection and sense of security when they're in the, when they're in the pool. Uh, and the, um, that goes for, that goes for boating as well. If you're taking your kids out on the boat, ensure that they're also wearing a life jacket and every adult should have one as well. Uh, one of the, one of the riskier issues of course, comes back to teens, Aaron, and uh, you know, teens will often, um, go to other other places, whether it's a, a river, a lake, a stream. And 
I don't know what's happening right now, but my guess is that many of these places that might have been normally guarded will be unguarded this summer. And we all need to be aware that, um, you know, teens in that age group, that is the the place where they're going to run into trouble as a natural body of water. So I think parents should be, again, inquisitive about where are you going, what are you doing, who are you going to be with, uh, what are your plans. And uh, their, their really antenna should go up when they hear that they're headed to a lake, a stream, or a pond to go swimming. You want to make sure that that's a guarded area. And if it's not guarded, um, I, I would definitely not uh, give consent to go there. Uh, find a uh, find a safe location for them to go. Find a uh, a water uh, feature or site that is guarded. As kind of an aside, it, it often seems that teens think they are invincible, and part of that is related to the fact that the the brain hasn't fully developed until well into the twenties. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, the parts of your brain that are responsible for uh, risk-taking and risk assessment and impulse control uh, are not fully developed in, in most people until the mid-20s, about 25 years old. So uh, there, there is a different uh, calculation going on when looking at risk in young people than in older adults. And, and I think we have, to, we have to do some of that risk assessment uh, for, for teens and talk to them about it and help them weigh uh, the risks of what they're doing and the con- and the potential consequences. Moving from water to sun and spending time outdoors, a, a couple of other risks I, I think might be Im- important to bring up are the risk of, of sunburn and making sure you're, you're properly protected, and also because we live in Connecticut, uh, Lyme disease, and making sure you, you check yourself when you're, you're out of doors. Right. And, you know, certainly with when it comes to uh, uh, sunburn, uh, you have to limit the amount of time that you're, you're outside. And usually, uh, you know, the sun is strongest or the UV rays from about uh, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And during that period, uh, you know, on a, on a sunny day or even a cloudy day, that's when you're most at risk. Um, so uh, you really should make sure that you wear a sunscreen. Uh, the higher the number, the better, uh, certainly 30 or over. And you want to apply the lotion, you know, 30 minutes before you go outside and reapply it, you know, often during the day to make sure that uh, you don't get burned. And to wear a hat, maybe uh, even a long sleeve shirt, a loose long sleeve shirt on those hot days to, to, keep, yourself, uh, to keep yourself safe and to keep your kids safe. Um, and also, uh, we get to the issue of um, uh, exhaustion in the heat and, uh, you know, monitor your kids, make sure they drink a lot of water. And uh, if they start uh, looking a little, um, a little high, you know, get them out of the sun, have them take a rest inside for a little while. You know, I was talking with someone from the Connecticut Agricultural Experiment Station about uh, Lyme disease and, and other tick-borne pathogens, and I know a lot of people in the pandemic have opted to add a, a pet to their family. And, and one issue that, that they raised was that, you know, even if you have a young child who hasn't spent time outside and the pet has, the pet can bring the ticks inside and then transfer them to the kids. Yeah, for, for sure. And I, I think that because we are in Connecticut, uh, 
you know, ticks are definitely a concern for everyone. And you know where you live in your, your own area as far as um, how common it is to see ticks. There are a number of things you can do for your own yard, uh, solutions that you can do to, to lower the risk of ticks. There are, of course, for your pets. You can treat your pets to ensure, uh, talk with your veterinarian about anti-tick products that they can recommend for dogs or cats. And then uh, scan uh, the skin of, of children uh, and other adults when they come in from outside to make sure uh, that they don't have a tick uh, in them. Uh, and, and, you know, you can, if you know you're in an area that might be more prone to ticks, you know, make sure you have those socks, the, the um, long sleeves, long pants, and protect yourself uh, from the ticks. Um, but um, I think it's, you know, overall, there are, you know, over 75,000 youth are diagnosed with uh, Lyme disease each year. And, um, you know, of course, there are many cases that go undiagnosed. So um, in Connecticut, especially, you know, consult with your local health department and uh, with your veterinarian and take the steps you need to do to protect you and your family. Also in the warm weather, it's important not only to highlight the the importance of using child passenger safety seats, but also making sure that kids are not left in a vehicle even for short periods of time and that the vehicle's locked if it's in the driveway, correct? That's right. That's right. I, I think the first thing, let's talk about kids in hot cars. You know, you should never leave uh, a child alone in a vehicle. If you're going into a store, it may be inconvenient, but bring them with you. Um, the reality is, and, and what people don't realize, is vehicles heat up incredibly quickly. And even with a, a window partially cracked, uh, you're going to see temperatures uh, raised by nearly 20 degrees in less than 10 minutes. And, and so the inside of a vehicle can get really hot very quickly, and children can uh, move into a situation of distress. So take your child with you when you go anywhere and do not, do not leave them uh, in the vehicle. And if you are, if you're walking through a parking lot and you're a good Samaritan, you happen to see a child in a vehicle, you know, check to make sure they're not in distress. Call nine one one and uh, get them help. If they uh, if they appear in distress, do do what you think you need to do uh, to get that child out of the car. And with car seats, rear facing is still the best as long as possible. Is, is that what the the research shows? Absolutely. And in Connecticut, uh, you know, we require uh, that uh, infants ride or rear facing uh, until they're a minimum of two years old and at least 30 pounds in weight. So uh, children until two years old should be rear facing because it's the safest position for them in case of a crash. Um, so, you know, buckling up and making sure that children are either in a rear facing seat uh, a, a forward-facing seat with a five-point harness, or when they convert, uh, usually between eight and ten years old, they may convert to uh, a booster seat, or um, or until the until the seatbelt fits, uh, they should be in that booster seat. Uh, so it's uh, it's important that um, we we ensure that all kids are appropriately restrained, and that forward-facing car seat with the five-point harness. Um, you know, that, that will fit, fit a child for a, uh, quite a while. 
Um, and we do require in Connecticut that a child be in that booster seat until they reach a minimum of 60 pounds and they're at least eight years old, actually. So they're not going to convert out of the booster seat until they're between eight and 10 years old. And then you want to make sure that that seat belt fits correctly over them so that the belt is going over the shoulder and not over their neck. That can be deadly. And that's the most important thing in your vehicle. Check the fit of your own vehicle um, uh, to make sure that seatbelt is laying appropriately over them. And then uh, we really recommend that children stay in the back as long as possible. It's certainly safer than the front seat. Uh, and so really uh, until at least age 13, uh, children should be in the back of the vehicle. He is Kevin Borup, Interim Director of the Injury Prevention Center at Connecticut Children's Medical Center in Hartford. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. All right. Well, thank you for having me, Aaron. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.